2: Now imagine what happens on a societal level and on a global level. If we are so much more nourished by what we're doing, we show up and we express ourselves more fully, we're we're seen for who we are. So what does it actually take to find and do work that makes you come alive? Or as we say, work that sparks you. And what does that even mean? Well, it turns out, Every person has a unique, often hidden imprint for work or effort that fills them with meaning and purpose, that energizes and excites them, that lets them drop into that hyper creative and productive blissed out state of flow and feel like they're tapping into their full potential. This imprint, we call it your sparkotype. And now years into running, one of the largest ever studies on work that makes you come alive with the input of more than 750,000 people, generating over 35 million data points, we have learned a thing or two. So today, I'm going to take you deeper into the mysterious world of the Sparketypes, sharing a bit more about where they came from, how the global phenomenon that's become the Sparkotype assessment took shape and led eventually to the book Spark and this very podcast, as well as other resources. And we'll talk about how discovering your Sparketype profile can help you reimagine and reinvent your work and career to feel so much more alive and connected. And to help tease out these ideas, I have invited a dear friend and collaborator, big-hearted human, renowned keynote speaker, community builder, personal power alchemist, best-selling author, and all-around truth teller, Cindy Spiegel, to lead the conversation. Time to get sparked. I'm Jonathan Fields, turning the mic over to Cindy Spiegel, and this is Sparked.
0: Imagine this, higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.
1: What is this book? What is this archetype? What is that? So the book is based on a set of archetypes
2: that I have been developing for a lot of years now. And it started out with the question, what should I do with my life? Which was a question I've been asking my whole life. Um, and stumbling and struggling and trying and running a million experiments trying to answer. And as I've gotten more clarity on how it shows up in my own life, I also realized that that question is a little bit of an illusion of a question because when most people ask that, what they're really asking is how do I find a do work that makes me feel alive, that gives me a sense of purpose and meaning and wakes me up in the morning so I'm excited and energized and And kind of lets me lose myself in flow and Mm -hmm. and lets me feel like I have a sense of purpose and I'm not holding back. Like it's, you know, it's the thing that I'm here to do. And as I deepened into that question, I got really curious about what makes everybody feel that way. I started to figure it out for me, but I was wondering, you know, I wonder if there are some sort of set of universal impulses for work that kind of wakes you up in the morning and says- Just do more of this and you'll feel this way for everybody beneath all the millions of jobs and titles and roles and all the surface level yada, yada, yada. And I started to really wonder, you know, could you identify these? Do they even exist? And then if you could, could you figure out how to help people discover theirs? And that's become, you know, honestly, that's probably been a two decades journey for me. Hmm. In no small part, kicked off. By what is also just around the twentieth anniversary of nine um, eleven where I was in New York, married with a you know, like new home three month old baby, signed a lease a uh, six year lease for a floor in a building to open what I hoped would become a premier yoga center in New York the day before nine eleven woke up the next day, and you know like everybody knew somebody who didn't come home that day and and also wondered to myself are we really gonna launch a business into this sea of suffering at this moment in time? And a moment during the first 48 hours or so really reminded me that we only have one shot. So You know, we have one pass through in this form, in this shape, and you gotta make the best of it. So we went ahead and launched it. And that moment, you know, there had been things that happened to me before that. There was a huge shift that happened to me back when I was a lawyer that shook me into reality and said you know do something that matters but that moment in particular it became a much more i think powerful inciting incident to really deepen into these questions because mm. I didn't want to waste my time and as I moved into the world of wellness and well-being and human potential and service and yoga and then eventually started writing books and all that stuff I started to want to investigate the question more broadly and create tools for other people in terms of living a good life. And then I kept getting narrower and narrower into this question of work because it's the thing that most of us do for most of our waking hours for our entire lives. So I really explored this question of can we identify a set of impulses? And I was so surprised when the answer was yes, to be honest with you. Because had you asked me earlier, I'd probably been like, mm, nah, <laughs> mm-hmm. that seems way too packaged, way too slick, way too markety, way too sort of, you know, like self helpy worldy. And my rational brain is always you know looking for validated answers. Um, mm-hmm. But I kept digging underneath you know the giant list of industries and roles and titles and jobs and distilling and conflating things down. I was like, huh? I landed with these 10 different impulses, and every time I looked at a different thing, like I could, you could start to identify what's underneath it and then you start mm-hmm. to talk to different people and you ask them a certain set of questions and prompts and you can get to this thing pretty quickly. And I was like, ah, oh, this is kind of real. And then the more people I talked to, I started thinking, well, you know, each one of these impulses also gets this own, you know, it kind of is wrapped in its own set of quirky tendencies and preferences and behaviors and things that we do with that are really good and things that we do that totally trip us up mm-hmm. that are really common with each one of these that form these archetypes around them. And just for the fun of it, I call them sparketypes for, you know, the archetype for work that sparks you. And then I really figured out, you know, I said to myself, how do I take this to scale, both to validate the idea or invalidate it? I was open to the fact that it was like real or not. Mm-hmm. And then maybe create a tool that people could interact with that would help them figure it out for themselves. So we spent most of 2018 building this assessment and moving people through beta levels and beta levels and designing it. It kept breaking over and over. And we had to rework it and change the language and all this stuff. And finally, We released it in 2019 broadly to the public and it was like, I couldn't believe what happened. To date, more than 500,000 people have completed this assessment. Thousands more are taking it every week. 25 million, probably growing towards 30 million data points underneath it now. So amazing validation and insights and nuance and just like then from that, so many stories, like story after story after story, and then use cases and organizations and all sorts of different things
3: mm-hmm. that
2: gave such a richer understanding mm. of what these things are and and that they are in fact real. And then just the notion that you know we've got a tool out there that anyone can interact with that's that's free. And it was important to me that that be free, that it's accessible to anyone that might help, might help them answer this question for themselves. And then and then you asked your original question: was this book what? Yes. <laughs> Um, eventually, you know, my head starts to explode because there's so much stuff pouring into it. Yes, and a lot of people are coming to me to ask all the questions about all the types and all the things. So the book is part distillation of everything that's in my head, part survival mechanism, so that we can have a thing, a, a social object that goes out into the world that anybody can look at and see themselves more, more truly, more clearly. And know that there is this thing in them and that it's real and that it matters and that they feel seen and understood and that they have language to, to both explain themselves to themselves and then to turn out to people around them and say, this is me. You know, if you really want to understand me, whether it's an intimate partner or a leader or a team member that like, if you understand this about me, the way that we interact, the way that we do this dance of life and work together, is going to be so much more productive and enjoyable and and friction free, and that's really why the book, yeah. you know, became a thing that had to be.
1: A word you didn't use that I'm surprised you didn't use because this is the first thing that came to me as I read the book, is that it is incredibly validating. Mm it is validating. You know, i know who i am in the world. I know the work that i do in the world. It's taken me a little while to get here, but i got here. And still i read this book and i've learned so much. And i thought i want everyone that i know to read this book because it in many ways sort of it teaches us about not only ourselves but other people and how they react and respond and things that, you know, we live in a linear world where i think so much feels personal. And when we start to learn about other people in these ways, it changes the game. Because we can then begin to really respect them for who they are and to work with them differently. And when I say work with them, I don't just mean in the workplace. Like I think about, for example, Ira, you know, my husband, I can be with him differently. He can be with me differently when we understand each other in a way that is deeper than what we could know without the work that you've created. So- before I keep going, I want to thank you for this, because I don't think you yet know the impact that this book is going to have. I really don't. You're very humble, and I love you for that, and I don't think that you really understand the impact of what you've created. So, thank you.
2: But mm. well, thank you for that. And you know, um, I'm trying to get better at accepting kind words.
1: <laughs>
2: I kind of, as I've written to a, a large community recently, I really suck at it, but thank you. And and that is my hope for it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's one of the reasons that it's out there in the world. So, and and it is interesting that you use the word validated because that is very likely with all the feedback that we get on a regular basis. That is probably the singular word that comes back to us the most. People don't say "I'm surprised" very often, right? They're like, "Oh no, this is actually." I've known this for my entire life, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, there are so many things that have have led me to either push it aside, or push it down, or ignore it, or say like, eh, "Not really," or maybe it's not socially appropriate That's or it's right. not gonna be acceptable. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna center my energy around it. Um but they know they still know
3: yeah. that it's, it's intuitive and,
2: and yeah and and being able to reflect back and say, no actually this is real. Um and it does matter. That word it, it comes back to us so many times yeah. that it's just like yeah it's very validating. Like nobody can validate anybody from the outside in. Mm-hmm. But if you just can reflect like it's like a mirror is what I was trying to create That's effectively. Right.
1: Why do you think this work is so relevant today?
2: Yeah, um, I feel like the work was really important because there has been a growing discontent and existential questioning for probably a generation and a half now. But it was, I'm a Gen Xer. Mm -hmm. And so for my generation, you kind of don't talk about it, you know, because it's not socially acceptable. And if you do, it's like, oh, midlife crisis, too bad, burned out, moved on, like couldn't hack it. Then you've got a whole generation of millennials and Gen Y and Gen X where they're so much more wired. It's part of the culture to actually expect more from the thing that they show up to do. You're like, this should give me a sense of purpose. This should be meaningful to me. I should be excited about this. In a way my generation had no, we didn't have our finger on the pulse of that. That's right. And now we enter this moment right now, right? Where every assumption, every limitation, every expectation has been completely shattered the model of the world, as we know it, has been turned upside down, you know. especially in the context of work, where in every way, in every possible way, has been completely broken apart. And it's no longer certain generations with certain expectations that are in this questioning and have a different set of expectations. It is all of us. And sometimes from a place of privilege, sometimes from a place of extreme loss and constraint, Sometimes from a place of like anywhere in the middle, they're having a job, not having a job, but we're all dropped into this moment where we're like, okay, so the thing that got me here and made me feel this way, I may have made a bargain that I was okay with up until now, but now that everything's been turned upside down and I feel like I'm being invited to examine the bargain that I made and decide whether it's a bargain that I want to keep going or whether I want to I make a whole new one for this next season of life, We are all in that together. We didn't ask to be here. And there's a lot of pain that has come along with with putting us in this moment. But at the same time, there's a sense of questioning, existential questioning, and a sense of possibility, Mm -hmm. and a sense of it's actually okay to share the fact that I'm in this moment now, that I'm asking the existential questions, that I, I may end up doing something really different or choose a different path. I can share that now in a way that I never felt was okay socially Mm. to share it. So we're seeing this mass scale re examination of everything in the midst of just complete societal wide disruption. And for me, you know, people are talking about that they're calling it the great, the big quit or the great resignation. Um, Here's my big concern with this moment. My big concern is that we'll say, like, boom, blowing everything up you know, or we're just saying like, okay, I agree. I'm reexamining everything. And I don't want to keep feeling the way that I've been feeling. It would be amazing if the thing that I showed up and did can contribute to the world and make me feel differently and give me so much more back. So I'm going to look for a different job or a different title or a different company or a different role and see which one just kind of seems like it checks the boxes on the job description of what I think would be cool. And then I'm going to go and do it. And then 18 months from now, I'm gonna be sitting in a new office in a new company with a new boss on a new team working on a new project feeling the exact same way. That's right. Because I never actually took the time to just hit pause and do the work to figure out what do I actually need? You know, like mm-hmm. what what is the thing, who who am am I? What fills me up? What empties me out? Mm-hmm. And what is that deeper impulse for work
3: mm-hmm.
2: that I need to satisfy?
3: Mm-hmm. to
2: get that feeling that I need to feel. And then once you do that work, look at it, the universe of jobs and possibilities and all the other stuff and start to figure out, you know, like run those experiments to see which will be a fit from a place where you're just so much better informed.
1: Mm-hmm. You talked about this examination, right? Of our lives that collectively we are all going through. And when we take that break, right, that moment to think about where we want to go next versus this idea of just going to the next thing, right, getting the next job, what do you think the impact of that is? What is the impact of this re-examination that's happening collectively?
2: I think of it on two levels, right? One, personally, could it literally change the way that you feel for the rest of your life? About the thing you wake up and do five, six, seven days a week for maybe decades more, could it change in a profound way the way that you experience that? Could you wake up and actually say, "Oh, you know, the thing that I'm doing it actually matters to me. It's really deeply meaningful to me." You know, could it make you feel like, "Oh my god, I, like I do this. I start at eight a.m. I blink and it's eight p.m. Mm-hmm. and it is the most immersive." absorbing, joyful, nourishing experience that I can imagine, you know, could you feel like you show up and you're not hiding and that there's this well of potential that that you've known your whole life is kind of like just out there, but you haven't figured out what it is or what it looks like or how to access it. And somehow you're like, Ooh, the gates of that are open mm. and you just have a strong sense of purpose. You know? So on a personal level, if you could show up And get as much of that as you can Mm -hmm. from this moment through the day that you stop working, or at least you know for, even if you stop working for money, you're gonna keep working. You're gonna keep investing yourself and devoting yourself to different things literally until your last breath, very likely. Mm -hmm. Could you feel that way? If we can do that on a personal level. Now imagine what happens on a societal level Mm -hmm. and on a global level. If we are so much more nourished by what we're doing, we show up and we express ourselves more fully. We're we're seen for who we are. We are so much more of our best self. We perform at a much higher level, not because somebody's dangling a carrot or a stick in front of us, but because we're doing the thing we can't not do. Mm -hmm. And so the output for business and for industry in terms of innovation and solving these big wicked problems that we have You know, when millions or tens of millions or hundreds of millions of people start to show up as their best self, harnessing everything that they have and working harder than they ever have simply because of the feeling it gives them. And oh yeah, how awesome that I get well paid to do this too. I mean, the ability to solve big problems and to step into the next season of society and the world. I just imagine the potential that gets unlocked there. Mm. And it's kind of mind blowing if we could do that. And I'm not saying that I have all the answers, mm-hmm. but if I can even be a person who you know can offer a single idea into that process that might help get people just a step closer to that state. Mm. you know, To me, we're in a moment where we need that personally and we need that societally and we need it globally more than ever.
1: We need it collectively. And this, this book, and I know I keep saying this, it just has the potential to do so much of what you just talked about. Now, you use some words, and I'm sitting here and I'm taking down notes, right? But you use words that really stood out to me, potential, nourishment, uh, being seen, innovation. And as I think about you, your career, but also you as a friend, I think, well, Jonathan has always been this. You have always created that right? You've always seen that in other people and somehow you're just now creating this book. Tell me how this book differs from the other books that you've written.
3: <sighs>
1: I should have couple warned you. A couple different ways.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I am almost pathologically um, steeped in possibility mm-hmm. um, and not polyanistic or delusional, mm-hmm. um, But I am definitely like I there's something about my wiring that Mm -hmm. kind of sees disruption and immediately know that if that exists, possibility must also be in the ether. They can't they cannot exist without one can't exist without the other. So I think everything that I've done in my past, you know, whether it's, you know, been in the fitness world and launched a company that was hopefully changing the lives of people in a very intimate way to you know owning a yoga studio and and building this beautiful big global community of students and teachers in New York City for 7 years or whether it was writing books or hosting media and creating conversations the red thread that connects it all is this deep fascination with human potential and how to unlock it in real grounded practical actionable ways and there is very much an emerging woo-woo side to me.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it emerging? It's it's pretty solid.
2: It, it's been emerging like pretty <laughs> for a pretty long time actually. It's but it's there. It's there for sure. You know, like <laughs> the older I get, the more open I am to the fact that some things just are, even if I can't like deconstruct or analyze yeah. or prove them. And yet, you know, um, I feel like so much of what I have created up until this moment is putting my spin, my synthesis, my interpretation on um, the overlap between other people people's work, mm. and no doubt, a lot of incredible different domains and and conversations and experience have have gone into this current body of work around the Sparkotypes. But this is the most original thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. In that you know these impulses weren't something where I turned to a book or or a study or something where I saw them listed before and said, "Hey, do these feel real to me or not?" Mm-hmm. Let me sort of like put my spin on these things that exist already. These were things that I pulled down out of the ether Mm -hmm. and then started to associate, you know, different fields to understand, you know? So when I say, when they use the word coming alive, you know, like imprints for work that makes you come alive, I deconstruct coming alive into these five components that I keep talking about. And I know that there is actually- a big body of research about each one of these different five components. So I know that those are real, they're validated, they make a difference in the way that, that, that we feel, our ability to flourish, the way we contribute to work and the world. And yet this set of imprints is something that didn't exist in any of those. This is something that emerged out of my head Mm. and is then tethered back to a state, which is the sweet spot between a whole bunch of other states Mm
3: -hmm.
2: where there's a lot of science. So it's a little bit nerve wracking Mm -hmm. to to be honest with you Mm -hmm. in a way that, you know, I've always taken risks when I've created new things in the world. I mean, when I launched a a fitness company, you know, we did basically our, our guidance was we are going to do the exact opposite of everything the fitness industry does. So I've always been a bit of a maverick and a contrarian and it worked. And we did a really similar thing in the yoga world. And when I first started Good Life Project, we started as a video series and we were filming hour long conversations on video, on location with the three camera crew. And people thought I was, they're like, what are you doing? Nobody's gonna watch this.
1: Mm-hmm. How'd that work out?
2: Uh, okay. <laughs> um, you know, but this is is different. It's nerve wracking in that it, this is my heart, my thought process, my mind, my ideas on a level that I haven't exposed myself before. Mm. Um, so, as much as I hope and believe it will help, as a maker who is also, you know, has an ego mm-hmm. <laughs> and wants to be accepted by those around, it's an interesting process for me being feeling this exposed. You, you asked me before we started recording, how am I feeling? Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, some good, some bad. And part of the angst is that, you know, is a level of exposure for me that I feel like as a maker, it kind of has to be my next level Mm -hmm. because I've danced around everything that came before this enough and anything more, one more, one more dance of that becomes just pure replication. Mm. It's just not why I'm here. Mm. I was so fortunate to sit down with somebody who I I know you know the name well, Milton Glaser, Mm -hmm. you know, who Lindsay, our producer, has reminded me more than once that he is the person who I cite more than any other past Mm -hmm. guest um, throughout the podcast. And there's a reason for that. You know, he was, he passed, I believe, I guess it was two years ago um, on his birthday at the age of 91, having spent the vast majority of his life as a designer, maybe the, if not one of the most iconic designers in history, in modern history. And also a, an astonishingly generous human being. He taught for something like 40 years at Cooper Union. He shaped you know, thousands of the designers who would go out into the world and shape what we know as the world today mm. without us even knowing it. He, his thumbprint is on literally everything. We have no idea the ripple and the impact that he's made. And I, sat, I had this, this amazing opportunity to sit down with him when he was, I think, 86 years old for a conversation at his studio, which is still functioning fully with his team. He was working on a new show. And, you know, he said to me, he said, I've known what I what I wanted to do since I was six years old. I, know, I knew I wanted to make things. He said, and then at some point my dad said to me, you know, if you make things that help other people, you could earn a living doing that. And if you look at the homepage of my personal website these days, the top panel right next to my big black and white head (laughs) has the words, I make things that move people. Mm. I'm somewhat agnostic as to what those things are on any given moment in time. But um, to be able to make things that go out into the world and actually make a difference, make meaning beyond the pure fact that I have the ability to express this impulse that is meaningful to me, Mm -hmm. just that opportunity alone to then know that I could potentially be involved in creating something that goes out to the world and it makes some kind of difference in, in other people's lives. It's pretty cool.
1: I'd say so. You do in fact make things that move people and everything that you do, everything that you touch is so grounded in humanity and human potential in this beautiful marriage and in, in ways that I think so few people are able to do. So thank you.
2: <laughs> thank you for saying that. Mm.
1: I like watching you, by the way, uh, because no one (laughs) else knows this, but I love watching how uncomfortable these things are for you.
2: It's, it's, my work in this season of life is not figuring out like cool new things to create. I got a list of those that will last me far past (laughs) my, like my, whatever days I have left on the planet and um, more than enough URLs hoarded to last way longer (laughs) than that for whatever I decide to create. I think a lot of my work is getting comfortable with who I am and what I am and what I'm doing in the world. Mm. Um, As I think that's the work for so many of us, right? Is just standing in the truth of who we are Mm. as naked as we can stand and trusting that the right people will show up to hold us.
1: Cheers to that. And I think not only standing in the truth but squirming in it sometimes. Mm. Yeah, as of right now. Right this moment. Well, I'm glad that I can see you. Indeed. Thank you for this conversation.
2: Mm, Thank you so much for sharing it with me and guiding it and nudging us into some areas that I have never publicly (laughs) talked about because I think it's a really good thing. And I Mm. I appreciate you and I love you. And I'm really excited to uh, share this conversation with the world.
1: Mm, I love you back. Actually, I feel like we should end on a different note. Okay. Talk to me about these URLs that you're collecting.
2: They will forever. I'm a minimalist in like every part of my life except one. I'm a massive URL hoarder.
1: (laughs) For anyone who didn't know this was a thing, it's a thing.
2: (laughs) Oh, it's totally a thing. And it is my disease.
1: Ah. Well, thank you for that. I really think that is what we should all walk away from this conversation with.
2: A (laughs) hundred (laughs) percent. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Before you leave, if you love this episode, today I have a single ask. Join me in this journey of becoming Spark. Pick up a copy of Spark wherever you buy books. We'll drop links to various booksellers in the show notes. Dive into it, discover your own personal Sparkotype, then begin to bring it to the world. Because right now, right now, we need people who've come alive more than ever. I'm Jonathan Fields signing off till next time.